Father God, we just thank you for bringing us back here to, to church for a new year and a new opportunity just to learn more about you and to praise you and just to dive into your word with Pastor Jesse. I pray, God, that you give him the words to say and that you uh, prepare our hearts for what you have for us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. I got to be careful up here tonight. There's so much stuff. I might knock something over. Is that okay if I move this? We can put it back because I promise you I'll trip on that corner. See, I'm doing it already. All right. So, hey, before, before we jump into what we're talking about tonight, um, do y'all like the Christmas clothes my wife bought me this year for Christmas? This is the only way I get, hey. This is the only way I get new clothes is if she buys them for me. So, if I look nice, it's her fault. Just blame her, okay? All right, hey. Again, I'm, I'm, just, I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to be here with you guys. How many of y'all are excited that you're back in school already? <laughs> like four of you? Yeah, okay. How many of you wish you were not in school ever again? There's a good... Now, hey, for some of you, you've only got, what, about five months left? Till you graduate? Oh, man, y'all are excited about that. Well, here's the thing. Whether you're excited about school or whether you're disappointed that you've had to go back to school, I want to tell you this. I'm excited for you. And it's not because you have a lot of schoolwork. It's not because you have to go to class all day and, and be there and not be home and do the things that you want to do. I'm excited for you because you have a new opportunity this semester. You've had an entire whole semester behind you. You get to start all over. You've got, most of you have got new classes. You've got new teachers. You've got the opportunity to start over. And in that part of that opportunity is the fact that you get to be an ambassador. Now, I'm not talking about, how many of y'all have heard of, like, you've seen this stuff online, the brand ambassadors before? Have y'all ever seen those ads of brand ambassadors wanted? And I, my favorite one is the Christian brand ambassadors wanted. And they've got these nice little t-shirts with these cute little God sayings and all of these things. And, and here's, the, here's the thing that, that kills me about that, though. When you talk about being like a brand ambassador, most of the time that just means, hey, wear our clothes and tell people how much you like it. When you look at the book of 2 Corinthians, which is where we're going to be tonight, you've got a guy by the name of Paul. And Paul uses that word ambassador. But the way he's using it is not the way that we see it used when people are talking about be a brand ambassador and wear our clothes and tell people how great it is. What Paul is talking about when he talks about being an ambassador in Scripture, he talks about being an ambassador for something that's different. Something that's life-altering. Because he's talking about being an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Now, do y'all do know what an ambassador is supposed to do? What's that? Yeah, you're supposed to go and represent. And here's how that works, though. When you say you're going to be an ambassador, in the true sense of the form, not just I'm going to wear the clothes and look cool, in the true sense of the word ambassador, what that means is you physically represent the person that you've been sent by. That means when you speak, when you act, anything that you do, it's as if that person is doing it. That's what it means when it talks about being an ambassador. And yet that is the word that Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians, um, specifically in chapter 5 that we're going to look at tonight. He says that if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, you, if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, you've asked him to forgive you of your sin, and you're following him with your life, then you are his ambassador. Whether that's at school, 
whether that's on your team, whether that's in the workplace, everywhere you go, if you claim Christ as your Savior, you are an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And you have the opportunity to present him to every single person that you encounter. You have the opportunity to show them what it looks like to follow Jesus. And that's an unbelievable opportunity. And that's what Paul is talking about here in 2 Corinthians. And he says here that you can be bold and you can be confident in sharing what Jesus has done because of what he has done in your life as a disciple. Because of the testimony that you have. That you understood you're a sinner because we all are. Nobody taught you how to lie, did they? Nope. You just did it when you were little. Now, they had to teach you how to be nice and teach you how to share. Because if you, if you ever watch like little kids that are crawling, little babies, little toddlers, and you put something new, shiny, or some kind of food in the middle of the floor. Yes, I said the floor. Let's assume it's clean. You watch. They're going to fight over it, aren't they? And they're going to hit each other. And they're going to scream. And they're going to cry. You know why? Because they're selfish. From the moment we take our first breath, we are concerned about us. We are sinners. Now, we learn how to be nice people. We learn how to do good things. But at our core, we are sinners. And Scripture tells us our mind, our very mind is set against God. And yet God made us to be in relationship with him. And because we've got sin that separates us from God, God provided a way for us to know him and to be forgiven by him. He sent his Jesus, his son, Jesus, who died on a cross for us. He took on the penalty, and Paul's going to talk about that here. He took on the penalty that you and I owe, that everyone owes for sin, and he gave up his life. But three days later, he took his life back up, and he walked out of a tomb And he gives every single person that would put their faith and their trust in him the opportunity to have a relationship with God through Jesus. And if you sit here tonight and say, you know what, I've done that. I know I've been forgiven. I know I belong to God. You are an ambassador of Jesus Christ everywhere you go. That means you represent him. The way that you speak, the way that you act, the way that you treat people, you are a physical representation of Christ in every single one of those situations. Now, I understand we mess it up sometimes, but that's what we're called to be. That's what we're called to strive for, and that's what Paul's going to talk about here in 2 Corinthians. So I'm going to ask Miss Morgan Rich to come on up. She's going to read our passage tonight. And let's make sure Mr. Chad's mic is on. That is mic number, I don't know, because it's not on here. So let's make sure that's on. I just keep tapping it till we get noise. I can't yell into it because my mic's on. There we go. All right. Here we go. You guys, stand with us. Second Corinthians, you're going to read right there. Second Corinthians, chapter 5, we're going to do verses 17 through 21. Okay, that's better. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to, to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's, amb- Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who 
had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. All right, let's pray. God, again, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that we can come together now, Lord, and just spend a few minutes seeing what it is you've called us to be. And God, I just pray that, that we'll bring glory to you through the time that we have together tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Miss Morgan. All right, so let's just step back and walk through those verses and see exactly what Paul Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Do you see the word that that sentence starts with? What is it? Therefore. Okay. Anytime you see that word, that means you need to look backwards. Anytime you see that word at the beginning of a sentence, what that means is whoever wrote that sentence, they're getting ready to talk about something that relates to everything else they've already been talking about. And that's exactly what Paul is doing here when he starts verse 17 with the word therefore. He's saying, hey, you need to pay attention to everything else I've written in chapter 5 and really chapters 1 through 4 as well, but specifically in chapter 5. If you go back, and we won't read through it, but if you glance back, you'll see that Paul is talking about the fact that our lives here are temporary. That you and I, we know this, we're going to die one day. Maybe you've had a friend, maybe you've had a family member in, in the short time that you've been alive that has already passed away. You know the reality that one day everyone's mortal body life is going to be over. And that's what Paul's talking about there in chapter 5. And what Paul is doing is Paul is longing for the day when he spends eternity with Jesus. He's saying, you know what, I'm not going to live forever, but there's going to come a day that my body is going to give out, but I'm going to spend it eternity with Jesus and he's longing for that as he's talking about that in chapter 5 and it's his confidence in those future plans that pushes him to live for Jesus every single day because what, what tends to happen to us is we wake up in the morning and we think about everything that has to be done today right we start making how many of you make to-do lists how many of you, like when you make a to-do list and you did something that wasn't on your to-do list, you'll go back and write it on the to-do list just so you can check it off? Okay, I do that. That's why I'm curious. But we do that. We get so focused on this is what happened today that we tend to forget God's called you to live for a greater purpose. That we've got to live not just with today in mind and what we're supposed to accomplish today or this week or next week. We're supposed to live focused on that, but our real focus is supposed to be on eternity. Because one day... Jesus is who we're going to be with. One day, if you put your faith and trust in Christ, you're going to spend eternity with God, worshiping him and glorifying him. And because we have that assurance as disciples of Jesus Christ, we have the ability to live that out right now, to live a life that honors God. Now, it's a struggle because we're not perfect and we never will be perfect until we stand before God because we won't sin anymore at that point. But in this life, God's called us to be focused on him. And that's what Paul is talking about. He can pursue Jesus every single day because he knows where his eternity is going to be spent. It's going to be spent with God. And it helps him keep his focus right here, right now. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, you and I can have that exact same confidence. We can know that, yes, we've got everything we've got to get done today. We've got work to do, and we've got sports to do, and we've got family stuff to do, and we've got to walk the dog and take out the trash and do all of these things. And yet, in the midst of all of those things, we can still be focused on the fact that we serve God and that one day we're going to be with him. 
And that can push us and drive us and motivate us to get through the daily, sometimes humdrum, sometimes the daily things that we don't want to do because we're doing it for a greater purpose and we're doing it for a greater reason. That's what Paul's talking about here. We know we can have that same confidence because Scripture tells us we can have that same confidence. In Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39, listen to what this says. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, there is nothing in all of creation and outside of all of creation that can separate you from the love of Christ once you submit your life to him. If you've prayed and asked God to forgive you of your sin through what Jesus did and you've submitted to his authority in your life, then you belong to him and nothing can change that. You are in Christ and you are secure in Christ, in him now and forever. And you can't do anything more to make God love you or to earn his love because you already belong to him. And Paul's saying there's a confidence in that. You can rest knowing that you belong to God and nothing can take you out of God's hand. Nothing is bigger and stronger than God. You can't lose your salvation if you have experienced salvation because if you could, you would. If it was possible for you to mess up what God has done, you and I, we would mess it up on a daily basis. That's why we get to trust in the fact that God is greater than we are. Because God is perfect. God is holy. God is without sin. And when God provides a way for people to come to him, God makes sure that that way is foolproof. And that's the confidence that you and I can have as disciples of Jesus. And we can have that security knowing that we are living for him every single day because of what Paul is talking about right here. He says it right there at the beginning of that verse. He says, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. There's a promise there that when you put your faith and trust in Christ, you're not who you were before that moment. Yes, you have the same body. Yes, you may have some of the same thoughts. You may still have some of the same habits. It's not like, oh, I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and I'm a totally different person now because you're the same person but you've been forgiven and as you start to follow God God starts to work in your life as you start to read his word you start to understand who he is and God begins to work on you from the inside out and he begins to change the way that you think the, the, the selfish mindset of, I want this, I'm living for me I'm going to pursue the things that make me happy begin to change into what can I do today that's going to honor God what is it that God wants for my life? How can I pursue him? And as God begins to change you from the inside out, it starts to change the way that you see the world. It starts to change the way that you interact with the world. And all of a sudden, you start having that viewpoint that Paul is talking about here. Not just, what do I have to do today? But God, I know what you've called me to. And I know Jesus is my focus in the midst of everything. Sin is still around. Temptation is still there but God is showing it to you differently. Now you know it's there. Now you know what to look out for. That's why 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says there's no temptation that's common to man or that, that you face that's not common to man. There's nothing that tempts you that somebody else in all of creation hasn't been tempted before 
buy before. There's nothing that you choose to pursue that causes you to sin that there hasn't been somebody else who has faced that exact struggle. But scripture tells us that when you face those things and you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, God provides you a way of escape from that temptation. And you're not aware of that before you put your faith and trust in him. But as God begins to change you, you begin to realize, oh, this doesn't honor God. Oh, God's called me to live differently. God's called me to talk differently. God's called me to do differently. And I think I'll pursue that now. That's how God starts working in our life. That's what it talks about here when it says you're a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. Your old values, your old beliefs, your old priorities, they aren't necessarily your priorities and your values and your beliefs anymore. Because now you're pursuing something greater and you begin to value what God values. You begin to love what God loves and he begins to change your perspective on the way that you see and interact with the world. And we know that's what God's designed us for. Ephesians 2.10 says this. It says, for we are his workmanship. You were designed by God. You were created by God for a purpose. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Here's what that means. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that's not a surprise to God. God doesn't go, oh, didn't see that one coming to me. He knew. He knew before you were ever born. He knew before you took your first breath. He knew at the foundation of the world when he created everything that you would choose to submit your life to him. And he created you for good works to honor him and to show other people who he is. Basically to live a life honoring and pursuing God through Jesus Christ. That's what he's talking about right here. That's what he's made us to do. We have that promise. We have that directive there. And you can go anywhere in this world and you can be at practice or home, at school, at work, all of those different places. And you can know that if you are in Christ, you are secure in him. And as you pursue him, he's transforming you into the man and the woman he created you to be. Nothing you do surprises God. Because God already has a plan for your life. And he wants you to have an eternity focus. And then he goes on here in 2 Corinthians 5.18. All this is from God. Who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself. Not counting their trespasses against them. And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. What's the word you keep seeing over and over again there? Reconciliation, and it's in a couple different forms, but in two verses, you see it four different times. Now, before we get to that, pay attention to the very beginning of that first verse. He says, all of this is from God. So he's talking about this whole salvation of God sending Jesus and forgiving you of your sin and the way that he changes you and the way that he causes you to live a life that starts to honor him. God is the one doing all of that work because on your own, you cannot decide to be a new creation. You're incapable. Now, some of you, I mean, much like my new outfit up here, you can put on new clothes, you can get a haircut, you can change your hair color, you can actually change your eye color with contacts, you can do all kinds of different things to look different on the outside, but you are still not a new creation. Because you can't change the inside the way God changes the inside. God is the one who does 
all of that work. You can't decide on your own to do what Paul is talking about here because you and I are incapable. God is the only one that can work in us that way. And that word reconciliation, let me give you, I I just looked up a definition and here's what it said. It said it's the act of causing two people or groups to become friendly again after an argument or disagreement. Now here's the thing. We haven't argued and disagreed with God. Well, maybe you have. I don't know. But that's not the problem between us and God. The problem is what we talked about already. The problem is our sin. Our sin nature is what causes us to argue and disagree with God. That's what separates us. And as I said before, God made us to have a relationship with him. So God created a way for us to be reconciled, to bring two parties that are at odds together. Anybody in here ever had a fight with your best friend? Or maybe your brother or your sister? And in the moment, you can put your hands down. That's a lot of people. In the moment, you feel completely justified in everything you think, say, and do, don't you? Because you are right. And they are wrong. And they need to know every reason why you are right. And they are wrong. But then after the argument and you walk away, and you calm down, usually there's a little something in you that feels regret. I wish I hadn't have said, I'm not sorry for everything I said, but I wish I hadn't have said that. Or, or I wish I hadn't have done that. And that's where reconciliation starts. I had, a, I had a friend in high school one day, I don't even remember what it was about. He and I got in an argument about something. I have no idea, almost got in a fight about it. I have no idea what it was to this day. But the one thing I will never forget is about an hour after we had this argument, he came back to me, and he's coming back to me. I'm like, okay, here we go. We're getting ready to fight. And he actually walks up to me, and he said, I don't want to argue. He said, we're friends, and I don't want to ruin our friendship. And I'm like, (laughs) I feel like an idiot because he did what I should have done. His goal was to reconcile our relationship so that we could be friends again. And that was some temporary thing. It was nothing. Can't even remember what it was about. How much more important is what God's done for us? Because that matters. Because we sin against a holy God and yet God says, I want you even though your mind and everything in you is set against me. I want you. I want you to be reconciled to me. That is what God has done, and that is what Paul is talking about here. He's talking about the fact that God has made a way for us to be reconciled with him because that's what sin does to our relationship with him. Sin has broken the relationship we're supposed to have with God, and God wants us to know him. And as I said before, Jesus paid the price that it takes to be reconciled to God. Scripture tells us in Romans 6, 23, that Jesus took on sin, that Jesus took on the debt that we owed, and Jesus died. You see pictures of Jesus hanging on a cross. You hear about how Jesus gave his life. Scripture says that's what we deserve. That should be us. We should be in his place. And yet he took our place and paid the price that we could not pay so that anyone that would turn to him and put their faith and trust in him would be reconciled to God, would be brought back into relationship with him. And this was done for anyone 
that would put their faith and trust in Christ. That's why John 3.16, for God so loved the world that whoever believes in him, anyone that would put their faith and trust in Christ, God has provided that way. It's not automatic. Let me let you know on a secret. You're not a believer or a disciple or forgiven by Jesus Christ because you grew up in church. You are not a Christian because you grew up in a Christian family. You don't have a relationship with God. You are not reconciled to him until you yourself make your own personal choice to say, God, I'm a sinner and I need you to forgive me of my sin. I know Jesus died on a cross for me and I want to put my faith and trust in him and follow him with the rest of my life. That is when you are reconciled to God in that moment. That's a personal decision that every single person has to make on own. And when you make that decision, that's why we need to understand the incredible, unbelievable opportunity we have to be ambassadors of Christ from that moment on. To tell other people who Jesus is and what he has done in your life and what he is doing in your life because we are called to share it with other people. We're called to share what God is teaching us. We're called to share how God is growing us. Um, for, for some of you, you take part in this. There's a, a group of girls that meets on Wednesdays and they're just walking through a book of the Bible. There's a group of guys that meet on Thursday mornings and they're just walking through books of the Bible. But when they get together, all they're talking about is what did you read in the chapter this week? What did God show you? What are we learning? How is God growing you through that? That's, that's a big, fancy, big, fancy church word called sanctification. Y'all learned something new tonight, right? Sanctification. Here's what that means. It means God is conforming you into his image. It means God is changing you so that you want to live a life that honors him, so that you want to show people who he is, so that you want to be his ambassador. Because now you get to turn around and you get to share the same gospel that somebody shared with you about what Jesus did. You get to tell other people about it. And you get to tell other people, hey, this isn't just something I've heard at church. This is something that's real in my own life. You can wear the clothes and you can wear the Christian slogans and you can say, hey, I'm a Christian. And you can live a life that completely denies and dishonors God. But when you belong to God, you can't help but talk about him. You can't help but tell people what God is teaching you when he's teaching you and he's growing you. You are his ambassador and you have the message of the gospel, the message of truth to share with people in a world that is filled with lies every single day, everywhere you go. We're given images and messages that promise false hope and false security. And every one of those things that the rest of the world tells you that you will find happiness in, that you will find satisfaction in, by the time you get done consuming those things, you will realize you are just as broken as you were before. But when you have Jesus, you have the truth. When you have Jesus, you have forgiveness. And in the midst of all of that, if you are a believer and you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you've been given that message of truth that the world desperately needs to hear. Look at what the last two verses say. He says, therefore, remember, because of all of that stuff he just wrote in the last three verses, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. 
We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And we finally get to that word ambassador. Paul says here that as believers, you're an ambassador. You're in a representative of the one who sent you. You represent Jesus Christ. When you speak the gospel to other people, God speaks through you. It says that right there. It says, God make his, his, making his appeal through us. When you share the gospel with other people, God is speaking through you. You are sharing the message of God's love for his creation. God is using you. That should blow your mind because God has no reason to use us. God has no reason to want us, and yet he chooses to. He chooses to take people that are broken, people that are messed up, people that have broken homes and jacked up families and all kinds of problems going on. God says, you are mine, and I want you to tell other people about who I am. That's unbelievable that God chooses to use us when he doesn't need us. But that's what he chooses to do. He chooses to let you and I experience his love and he lets you and I be messengers of that same love to a world around us that doesn't know him. What an opportunity we have to be ambassadors for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you sit here tonight, that's the opportunity you have when you go home. That's the opportunity you have when your school day starts tomorrow or you go to that practice field or you go to that job. You have the opportunity to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ. And Paul lays out the gospel there one more time. Jesus Christ, the sinless son of God, God treated him as if he was the worst sinner that ever lived. And Jesus took the punishment that we deserved to give us the forgiveness that God doesn't owe us. God sent Jesus to die as a substitute for you and I to pay the penalty for our sins, even though Jesus never committed one sin in his life. Me, I've probably done about 5,000 of them today. Never one. He was God in the flesh. And in that act, Scripture tells us there, the righteousness, the holiness, the perfection that belongs to God was credited to anyone that would put their faith and trust in him. We received the love that we don't deserve. We received the forgiveness that should not be ours because Jesus was willing to take on what did not deserve. As you leave this place tonight, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you go out as an ambassador. You go out as his representative. And for some of you, you're going to go into places tonight and tomorrow that desperately need to know who Jesus is. And by desperately, I mean desperately need to know. You're going to encounter people who don't have hope. You're going to encounter people who are considering taking their own life because their life is so hopeless. You're going to encounter people who are turning to all kinds of other things in their brokenness to try and fix what is broken inside and what they need more than anything in this world is for somebody to tell them about how much Jesus loves them. 
we have the opportunity to do that as we go out and you carry the most important message that anyone could ever hear. So I want to challenge you with two things tonight. The first one is this. Up here on these stairs, there's a whole bunch of these things called the life book. And if you're not familiar with this, it's the gospel of John. It's the story of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And I want to challenge you as you get ready to leave here tonight. We're going to stand up in a minute. We're going to sing another song. I want to challenge you. If you've got somebody in your life and you know they need to hear about who Jesus is, take one of these books and give it to them. And tell them, hey, I've got a present for you. And encourage them, just read it. Because here's what this does. Number one, it lets you put the gospel of Jesus Christ in somebody's hand. And now it gives you the opportunity. If you don't know how to talk to them about Jesus, now you get to follow up with them and say, hey, did you read that book I gave you? You got questions about it? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about who Jesus is. This is an easy way to share the gospel with somebody. That's challenge number one. Challenge number two is this. As you come up to get one of those, if you decide to do that, I want to challenge you to stop and take a moment and get on your knees and pray. You may know right here tonight who that person is that you need to share with. You may already have a name in your head, picturing a face. You may know. But you may be here tonight and you know that you need to share with somebody but you don't know who that's supposed to be. Take a moment and pray for that person. If you know their name, pray for them by name. If you don't know their name, ask God to show you who that person is that you can share how much Jesus loves with. That's my challenge for you tonight. And then go out of here and represent him well. Be his ambassador. When people look at your life, let them see the gospel on every moment of it. The way that you act, the way that you talk, the way that you treat people. You go out as God's ambassador if you've put your faith and trust in him tonight. And that is the most important role of every role in your life that you will ever play. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for who you are, God. We thank you that we can come together, that we can worship you, God. And God, right now, I just ask that... God, that you'll help every single one of us in this room, Lord. If we've put our faith and trust in you tonight, Lord, you've given us a task. You've given us an opportunity to go out and to be your ambassador and tell other people about who you are and what you've done in our own lives. Lord, I pray that you'll give us all the courage to do that tonight, to do that tomorrow. God, I pray for every single person in this room right now. I pray that you'll put a name, a face into their minds of someone that needs to hear about how much Jesus loves them. And God, I pray for courage and boldness for everyone in this room that belongs to you. God, I pray that you will give us that courage and that boldness to, to take a stand, to be able to talk, to start up a conversation, maybe just to hand them a life book so that they can see God's love for them. God, help us to represent you well. Help us as we go as your ambassador to show people who you are. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.